Well, it's that time of year again when uh, people start asking questions about what they did last year and what they're going to do this year. And once again, I I think um, it's natural for us to think about the past and to look to the future. And January 1st just kind of provides us that opportunity, that reminder that another year has passed, another year is beginning. So uh, how many of you, again, are are anticipating a better year than what you had last year? Are are you looking forward to that? Let's just do a little exercise. Repeat after me. Say, this year better than that. This year year. is going to be better than last year because Pastor Jeff said so. (laughs) That's not the reason. Try it again. This year is going to be better than last year because God is good and he's going to help me make this year better than last year. Yeah, they got a little long. We'll just stop right there. You guys are fun this morning. I'm, I'm having a good time with you. You're, you're ready to go. First service, not so much. So, and feel free to close the curtains if that's blinding everyone. But uh, anyway, just say that. I know you do because you're sitting over there. Look at these poor people. <clears throat> Walt, he's just ornery because I won't say it. I got, Walt, Walt is the spitting image of my Uncle Sandy, who I grew up knowing and loving and lived in Big Rapids. Now, we referred to him affectionately as Crazy Uncle Sandy. <laughs> Walt's not crazy, but he is a Boston native, therefore he has the right to root for the Patriots if he wants. But obviously, it's a sad day for him, so we'll just move on. But anyway, God is good. Hey, I'll tell you one of the things in my mind, every year when uh, you know January 1st rolls around, I'm not a the kind of person that likes to make um, the name, just resolutions. Thank you. They just popped right out of my head. I'm not a resolution kind of person. In my opinion, resolutions are just another opportunity for me to disappoint myself. Amen? I just, I don't like them. I think, you know, if it's something good that I should do, why would I not have started doing it in July? Am I right? If it's a good thing for me to do, why would I not do it year-round? So what I try to do first part of the year is I usually try to put my hands on something, do something with my hands that will show me some result to my labors that will make me feel good about the coming year, maybe something I didn't get done in the previous year. And so I've done that this past week. This week, I tore out a shower out of one of our bathrooms. Some of you are petrified and horrified because you know why that's funny, because I am not in the least handy. Amen? I thought my wife would say it louder than everybody else. So literally, I took a hammer and started busting out the tile in one of my showers. And of course, this is how terrified I am. I'm, I'm terrified. I'm starting to beat the, the, you know, the stuff out. I'm trying to pull all this stuff out. And as I'm knocking the first wall out of the shower, I'm saying to myself, you're a moron. You're an idiot. What are you doing? The shower could have lasted a few more years. There's no visible signs that it's leaking downstairs or anything. Why are you doing this? You should have just kept using the shower as is. And so I'm pounding and I'm beating and I'm just tearing it out. And I'm thinking to myself, this was a huge mistake. And, and I go to hit the one wall. And with one strike, the drywall behind it was so rotted that all of it just went whoosh right on the floor. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm vindicated. This was a good decision. Because obviously the shower was not in good enough shape to continue using. So that's a good thing. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm venturing out, trying to do something good and new. And I'm saying this to all of you who are handy because I will be calling you. 
probably within the next week. Uh, and of course, while I'm in the bathroom knocking all this stuff out, I hear knocks on the door. Are you okay in there? Because she knows me. And she's like, are you wearing a mask? Yes, dear. I'm wearing, no, I wasn't, but I should have been. Anyway, and she's, you know, got 911 ready to go just in case, you know, and all this stuff. So anyway, I ventured out, I did that. You know, di- different people do different things. You know, I, I especially appreciate this time of year now that we have this wonderful technology of targeted advertising, how every time I go on the computer, just because I must, I'm, you know, try to become more health conscious, so I search different diets and exercise routines and things. So now that I search that stuff, I'm getting all these targeted ads for men approaching 50 who are out of shape. Thanks for that, right? That's kind of an insult from people I don't even know. Some algorithm somewhere is threatening me with being almost 50, which I am not. Well, almost is, a, is negotiable. Oh, hush! Well, just be quiet. Yes, I'm 48. Anyway, so anyway, now I'm getting all this targeted advertising telling me how to get buff as a 50-year-old man. I don't even know if that's possible. I don't want it. I just want to be healthy. Anyway, it's so wonderful that we have all this going on. Everybody, it seems, is trying to lose weight, make more money, be more successful, read more books. I've had all kinds of people telling me all kinds of things they're going to do. And you know what? It's okay. Because we all should want to be better, right? I mean, isn't that a good thing? We should strive to be better. And hopefully, as a believer in Christ, you're hoping that this year, spiritually, will go better than last year. Hopefully, you're looking forward to a year where you can grow into some new disciplines and do some new things. And I believe that that we should want to live the best life possible. I didn't always believe that. At times during the the, the time I was growing up in the church, there were times where the negativity uh, part of sin and and how it plays a part in my life were emphasized to the degree that there were times I honestly thought growing up that if you follow Christ, life is always going to be horrible and hard and that the only good part comes when you die and go to heaven. And, And that's a sad outlook on Christianity. I believe scripture teaches otherwise. I don't believe that's the sum total of Christianity. I believe Jesus wants us to live the best life we can possibly live by being the person he's created us to be and I hope all of you are ready for an adventure to find that because that's what we're going to strive for and I believe Jesus backs this up in fact he said in John 10 10 that that his purpose was to come to give us life listen to what he says he's using an analogy with the people he's teaching about the shepherd and how he's the good shepherd he says this he says the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. He says, my purpose is to give them, in other words, the sheep or those of us who follow him, a rich and satisfying life. Now, in the older translations, it said a life more abundant. Okay? God's design, Jesus' design in coming to us was to give us a life that is rich and satisfying. The Greek word that's translated there is perisos. And it's got a couple of different meanings. To exceed the usual number or size, extraordinary, exceptional, exceptional, remarkable, that which is unusually encountered among men. So we've chosen the word exceptional to kind of describe what we're going to be talking about. So as we go through this, here's three easy keys that guarantee guarantee that you will have a better this year than last year. How many of you know that's baloney? Right? There is no such thing as three easy keys to anything, unless you have three house keys that open your house. Those are usually a sure thing. There is no formula. 
There is no magic thing that will help you to be or become all that you want to be. That's a farce. It's ridiculous to even think that. You cannot work your way into the perfect life. Do you understand that? You cannot work your way into an exceptional life. You can't obey your way into an exceptional life. Let me hear, this is going to sound controversial. You can't even pray your way into an exceptional life. Now, prayer is certainly part of that. But just prayer alone doesn't get you what you want. You can't buy your way into a perfect life. And man, if we ever lived in a time where people are trying to buy their way into the perfect life, it is today. So should we just give up? Not make resolutions? Not try to get better? Absolutely not. In my opinion, if Jesus said that he came to bring us a better life, then that better life is something we should strive for. Don't you think? Don't you think? If Jesus promised it, don't you think we ought to work for it? And I got news for you. It is work. And we're going to have to go after it. But before we move on, there's a couple of things I want to say to you. Now again, uh, Jesus said that he came to bring a better life for all of us. And, And we're going to spend some time talking about principles. Not formulas, not switches to flip, not boxes to check that will guarantee results. But we're going to talk about six principles that I believe will help you along your journey as you strive to find the life that God has for you, that rich and satisfying life, the abundant life, the exceptional life that I believe God wants for all of us. But before we move into those principles next week, I think today we need to settle two matters that I believe are foundational to every part of living a better life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The first is this. The first is that we need to understand That living a better life and living an extraordinary life is not all up to us. We can't do it. In fact, we wouldn't even have a shot at a better life or even a good life if Jesus had not come to this earth and lived among us and died on the cross of Calvary and rose again on the third day. We wouldn't even have a chance at a good life, let alone an exceptional life, if Jesus hadn't paid the price for our sins on the cross of Calvary. Friends, the grace of God that sent Jesus to die for us is what we celebrate. You you can work hard, you can do all the right things, you can gain the whole world, Scripture says. But the fact of the matter is, unless you've solved the question of eternity and embraced the life that Jesus offers us through the cross, you will never live the life that you could. You will not be, I believe, complete or happy or fulfilled until we know what will happen to us, until we understand our future and we've settled the issue of eternity. You cannot possibly live to your fullest extent because uncertainty causes paralysis uncertainty causes us to to be paralyzed. It's hard to move forward when we don't understand what is coming. And there's the truth that lives within all of us. We will die someday. And we wonder and we question what it means to die. In fact, we talked last week about that shadow of death that overshadows everything. And when we look at the end of our lives, if we are confused about what will happen or we're unsure about what will happen when we die, I believe it causes us an uncertainty that is paralyzing. It's difficult to live in the now when you don't know what the future holds. Now, here's the problem. The Bible tells us that we will die one day, and the reason is this. Romans 3.23 and some of the other passages I want to share with you really quickly kind of describe the scenario and the situation that makes this pertinent. 
Romans 3.23 says, all have sin. For everyone has sinned. We fall short of God's glorious standard. Every single person who has ever lived on the face of the earth has made a mistake even once. Especially once. Every single person has made a mistake. We've all failed. We've all sinned at one time or another in our lives. And the Bible goes on to tell us in Romans 6.23 that the wages, the result of that sin is death. Because there is sin in the world, each and every one of us will die physically. But not only physically, but we're, taught, we're told there is a spiritual death that will last for eternity. And that spiritual death is a separation from God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend eternity separated from the one who created me. It's just not a good thing to look forward to. So this death that we will experience is a spiritual death. But the Bible says, it goes on to say, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I know what you're thinking, Pastor. You're preaching to the choir. Get on with it. I know, but you need to understand. God's free gift is available to each and every one of us. The life that we live. John 3.16. How many of you can quote it? Don't, because this is a different translation. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting, eternal life. See, even I have to read it. I don't know that version. But it says the same thing. Friends, if we accept Jesus, if we embrace his forgiveness and his love and his grace, then we can have the surety that we will live forever in eternity with God, with our creator. Friends, let me tell you something. Your end, your, your future, your eternity is secure. It is sure. We can know what will happen one day if we embrace what God has done for us on the cross of Calvary. You cannot live your best life. It doesn't matter what any self-help guru or fitness instructor tells you. You cannot live your best life until that matter is settled because uncertainty paralyzes. I'm here to tell you that it's a paralyzing thing not to know. Um, When Tori and I were still living in Midland, And we started contemplating whether or not this crazy church down in Battle Creek would be a good place for us to come and minister or whether God was actually calling us here or whether he wasn't. There was about a six-month period, I think it was, where we were literally saying yes to every step of the process but praying really hard about what the answer was for the next step because we just weren't sure. You know, We were trying to sense and feel God's call. And that period of time, I remember being so uncertain and so confused Even though we knew God was in it somehow, we just weren't sure of what the future would hold. And as each step unraveled, we became a little bit more sure and a little bit more sure. But in that moment of unsureness, I remember thinking to myself, man, it's almost impossible to get anything done. I'm just so unsure about everything right now. But sure enough, as our future became known, That uncertainty gave way to certainty and we became effective once again. Friends, any of you who've done home improvement products know that they involve a lot of uncertainty. Amen? You know what I did? I tore my shower out thinking it was just going to be a couple of walls. I'll just tear this wall down, tear that wall down, move this wall, put it back over here, and I'll be good to go. Guess what? I tore the one wall down and it's load-bearing. Some of you are like, so? What's that mean? It means if I tear that wall down, the house falls down. At least that's what my wife keeps telling me. Don't tear that wall down. The house will fall down. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Unsurety. You know what else I found? Mold. Isn't mold a fun thing to find when you're doing construction? Some of you are never entering my house again. I can see the looks on your face. Like, oh, he's got mold. It's all over. Ain't doing it. Ain't going there. I've done my reading. I've properly dealt with it. Blah, blah, blah. All kinds of things. You know what? You do a home construction project, you will constantly run into things you do not 
expect. Uncertainty, it's all around us. But the closer we get to certainty, the more effective we become. Uncertainty is paralyzing. Be sure. Be sure of your future. The second thing we need to deal with today that we need to understand is that just as Jesus purposes to give us life, there's an adversary who is, who is intent, according to John 10.10, 10, on stealing, killing, and destroying. There is an adversary who wars against us. There is not only a force for good in the universe, the Bible tells us from beginning to end, in my humble view, that there is an adversary of our souls who is doing his best to interfere with our relationship with God. From the very beginning of the Bible, there are recorded attempts by Satan, by the devil, by the adversary, whatever you want to call him, to basically tempt and mislead humanity to pursue the wrong things and to love anything but God more than God. That's what he does. He was there in Eden, tempting Adam and Eve to disobey God's one rule. Can you imagine living in a paradise with everything provided for you and there's only one rule to follow? I would have thrived in that environment. Amen? Who are we kidding? Somebody says, don't push that button. What are we going to do? We're going to push the button. I mean, it's in our nature. Adam and Eve had one rule. Satan comes along. He tempts them. There he is. He was there accusing Job in the Old Testament, one of the oldest books, we believe, in the Old Testament. Job was there acting as the accuser. He was in the desert with Jesus when Jesus was tempted, trying to get Jesus to do it his way instead of God's way. He he was there. He entered into Judas, we're told in Scripture, one of Jesus' own disciples, a man who didn't deserve to follow Jesus. And Jesus called him anyway and loved him and cared for him and taught him and walked with him and lived with him. And Satan entered into Judas and betrayed Jesus. Friends, there is an enemy. He's real. 1 Peter 5.8 says this about him. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He exists. I believe that. Now make no mistake about it. He is not red. He does not have horns nor a tail. And he doesn't care about pitchforks. I grew up on a farm. I know what pitchforks are for. That's not him. But there is an adversary. There is one warring against us. He fought against every single believer in Christ and believer in Yahweh that ever lived, and he continues to work in the world today. He wants for you not to find your purpose. He wants for you not to find your place, not to become. He's looking to distract you with anything that he can to keep you from focusing on the purpose that God has for you. He does not want you to reach your full potential. He wants to drive a wedge between you and God by tempting you to disobey the commands of God. And he's winning. Because there's a whole lot of people in this world that have no concern whatsoever for what God commands. And I'm not talking about all the little stuff. I'm talking about the big stuff, like love your neighbor. How, after 2,000 years, are we still struggling with that one? How? He's trying with all that is in him to lie to you, to tell you that living life for yourself and doing whatever you want to do is the best way to find peace. Who cares what everybody else thinks? Who cares if what you do hurts other people? It's all about you. That's what he tells us. And let me tell you something, he's wrong. He's wrong. Because in the first 
part, in the very, very beginning of the Bible, God created man, put him in the garden, and said it is not good for the man to be alone. And that didn't just mean he needed somebody to watch him, for you ladies that think that. It meant that we were created for community. We're created for each other. Friends, God intended for us to do life together and care about each other. We are our brother's keeper. Friends, if the Bible isn't enough for you and I'm not enough for you, look at every Hallmark movie you've ever seen. Power, riches, wealth, none of that matters unless you've got someone to share it with. By the way, that's the plot of every Hallmark movie ever made. Now you don't have to watch any of them. Don't look at me like that. We were designed to do life with each other. Nothing that we can gain with our hands can replace fellowship and relationship with other people or with God. We were created for it. He tells us lies. Don't let him in and don't let him win. Don't leave room for him in your life. Fill your life with the things of God. Fill your life with kingdom of God stuff. Fill your life with kingdom of God people, with with spirit of God people. Fill your life with everything that has to do with God so that there is no room for Satan to come and live. There's a popular meme right now. For those of you who don't know what a meme is, my wife called it a may-may the other day. Younger people are laughing, older people are going, what's so funny? For those of you who don't know what that is, it's a saying, it's a mantra, it's whatever, it's going around today. Not today, Satan. You heard that? Say it with me once, ready? It's fun. Not today, Satan. Say it again. Not today, Satan. I like it, but I don't think it goes far enough. What about tomorrow? I say our mantra should be, not ever, Satan. (laughs) Not ever. There is no room for you. There is no place for you. We have no room for you in our lives. We have no room for you in our churches. We have no room in our families or our marriages or our children or our schools, there's no room. Not ever, Satan, is what we ought to be saying. Can you say that with me? Not ever, Satan. Not ever. Listen, in Ephesians, Paul gives us some clues as to how we can have victory over the enemy, and we're not going to spend a lot of time exegeting it, but I want to read it for you so that you can read it for yourself as you go through your year. Listen to what it says. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, listen to this, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. I think it's ironic that the belt of truth is what holds the pants up, you know, right? That's kind of keeps you from being embarrassed. There's a lot of people that if they would just embrace truth, wouldn't be nearly as embarrassed today as they are anyway. Moving on. The belt of truth. I lost my place. And the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil and put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let me tell you, friends, I believe that is a scripture passage we should read every day this year. Every day this year, just to remind ourselves that one, there is an enemy that is hunting for us. 
and to remind ourselves of what we can do to resist him. Friends, once we have settled these two matters, then we can move on to the principles that I believe will help us become the person that we desire to be, to become exceptional. But first, we've got to settle these two questions. So let me ask you, is your eternity settled? Have you embraced God's gift of salvation? Have you asked asked for his forgiveness? Have you accepted that forgiveness? Are you allowing him to be your Savior and your Lord? Friends, I believe in addition to reading Scripture, we should pray every day. And here's a prayer that I think you should pray every day. And, And I want to invite you just to pray this with me. Okay, I want you to bow your heads. And if you prayed this prayer before, that's fine. It's just the prayer of salvation. I want us to pray it together just so that we can remind ourselves of what it feels like. And if you are here today and you've never prayed this prayer, or maybe you've prayed it but you didn't mean it, or you didn't understand it, I want to invite you, if you're comfortable, to pray it with us. And if you finally understand or if you finally connect and you believe it, then I believe God will do amazing things in your life. So repeat after me this prayer. Dear God, I believe that I'm a sinner. I have failed. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I accept his forgiveness. I confess my sins to you. Lead me, guide me, forgive me. Be my Lord, be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, the scriptures tell us that if you pray that prayer and you mean it deep down in your heart and your soul and you believe it, that the angels in heaven right now are rejoicing. And if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, I would love to hear about it. Make no mistake about it, it's between you and God. But I would love to know so that I can pray for you. So come and talk to me. If you're at a place where you're not sure you can pray that prayer because you just don't know yet, you don't, you don't buy it, you haven't quite figured it out, you're not sure yet, then I want to challenge you to come and talk to me. Talk to Pastor Chris. Talk to some friends that are here in this room because we would love to share with you whatever you need to know. We'd love to answer whatever question you have as much as is humanly possible so that you can make this your future. Settle this issue today. The other thing is, are you aware of the enemy and his activity in your life? Are you on your guard? Are you wearing your armor? Are you ready for the enemy to come at you? Because he will. And you know what? Here's the thing. The enemy does not always come at you with things that are bad. You know what one of my biggest struggles is right now? You know what Satan's using against me right now? Anybody ever heard of Disney Plus? I'm, you know, heard it was coming out, kind of wanted it, but I'm like, I'm not spending money on something like that. I've already got something else I can watch. In fact, I got way too many other things I can watch. Then I found out I'm a Verizon customer. I get it for free. Woohoo! Just so you know, one of my weaknesses, one of my downfalls, one of my struggles is that I have a tendency when I'm stressed to just spend way too much time in front of the television. I love a good story. I love a good science fiction story. I like fiction. I don't like, I get enough drama in real life in my regular life. I don't want to see real life drama. I like fiction. And you know what? As soon as I heard I had Disney, I'm like, oh my goodness, all of those movies that I've always wanted to watch again for the 400th time are now available at my fingertips. I may never leave the house again. And that would be what? That would be exactly what the adversary wants. Me, 
so happy and distracted that I never give another thought to what God is trying to do in me and through me and for me. Now, sometimes the devil does come and he fires darts that hurt. But I think he's smart. I think he's figured out over the years that when the darts hurt, we have a tendency to resist them. Sometimes he comes in with the good stuff. And all he has to do is distract us from who God wants us to be, and he has won. Are you aware of the influences that he can have in your life? And are you on your guard? Are you wearing your armor? Pray the sinner's prayer every day this year. Read that scripture from Ephesians chapter 6 that I read earlier. It's found in verses 10 through 17. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Pray the prayer. Read that scripture every day of this year. Remind yourself that your future can be settled, but there is an enemy who's going to keep coming. The good news is the Bible tells us that we already have victory over him. He's defeated. He just doesn't know it yet. He just doesn't know it yet. Friends, let me pray for you as we go. Father, I thank you for a new year. I thank you for this group of people that came today. It's so good to see so many faces uh, here, some visiting, some regular, some we haven't seen in a while. Lord, I thank you for each person that you chose to inspire to bring today and I pray that today they would take something with them that will help their year to be exceptional. That you would help their life to be exceptional. Lord, we know that all the self-help gurus in the world cannot get us to where we need to be. But Lord, you have designed a plan for us. You've designed a system through which we can become the best that we can possibly be. And Jesus has promised us an exceptional life. And Lord, that's the life we want. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to settle the issue of eternity so that we can be sure of where we're going. And as we're sure of where we're going, we'll gain clarity in how to get there. I pray that you would help us to be constantly aware of the devil and all that he might do to come after us so that we can stand against him. And Lord, to fill our lives so much with you that he has no room to get a foothold. I pray for each person in this room that that whether they're answering one of these two questions or struggling with something else, that you would allow them to begin a journey right now that would lead to the best possible life that they can live. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.